And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Dad Bod Rap Pod, episode one. 39. My name is Dem1, a.k.a. Damone Carter, a.k.a. I am a dad, contrary to what Paul Barman is going to tell you in this uh, upcoming interview. I'm joined by a not dad, but still dad bod, Mr. Nate LeBlanc. What's good, man? I'm good, Damone. What's going on with you? It's um, the. It's such a weird time. Like It feels like fall in the morning and summer in the afternoon which my wife yeah. keeps insisting that's just how fall works around here but where's my sweater weather dude i i wore a sweater for about an hour or so last night shit was lit i almost put on a scarf <laughs> yeah, we're it's getting like 80, there we're five in the it. afternoon and 65 at night and in the morning it's it's uh, classic California, Northern California weather. We, we should not complain, though. The, the skies have been uh, pristine the last couple, I'd say, week or so. Absolutely. Uh, which is dope. So some of the smoke from the fires is subsiding. Uh, but our podcast is not subsiding. Not at we all. We are rampaging um, through the Internet. Lots of folks tuning in, listening, all of which we are grateful for. We have another dope program lined up for y'all today episode 139 uh if you haven't done so already please check out episode 138.7 which is uh nate talks to alaska adams um about many different things but uh in particular the new release by uh, cargo cult nihilist millennial i know that was that was really fun thanks for thanks for the plug uh, and thanks to you and dave for giving me the room to do these little things that i have in mind sometimes it was supposed to come out last monday but i got sick so it's one of many things that got disrupted by me being sick but alaska is a is a homie and the new record is good and we wanted to do something to shine some light on it and i had something i've been wanting to talk to him about for a long time which is this documentary film called adult rappers that he's in i don't have you ever oh, watched yeah. it I, I've seen pieces of it, then it just hit too close to home. Yeah, I, I could see how that would work. It's basically about <laughs> career indie rappers who were kind of hanging it up. Like it was kind of, it's kind of about the time when the indie rap circuit was dying down and people were kind of getting jobs and stuff. So I could definitely mm -hmm. see why that would uh, be wince-inducing <laughs> for you. As someone who's never tried to rap except for a few times uh, drunkenly, um, you know, try to rap professionally, certainly. It's, uh, it was a real insightful look into a time and a place. And as Alaska and I discussed, no spoilers, um, everybody who was so bitter at that moment has chilled out a lot. And he's actually mm -hmm. like picked the mic back up. And so I, I'm always just fascinated by people who, you know, make a go of it um, to have a career. And they're not trying to like get signed to Def Jam. They're trying to like tour the 300 person rooms of America and Canada and maybe go to Europe once or twice in their life and sell 300 yeah. records and the modest, I call it regular dude rap, you know, like your, your modest goals. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a job. It's a job for some people. It's a whole ass job. And uh, something that pre podcasting, I think a lot of cats were just like, what the fuck do I do now? But now you just do a podcast. Right. So 
<laughs> Not just any podcast, though. Uh, Dad Bod Rap Pod chugs along. Shout out to Call Out Culture, which uh, Alaska is one of the co-hosts of that wonderful program. Uh, so yeah, dip back. Uh, one thirty-eight point nine and a half episode. Check that out. Little mini episode that dropped. It's so funny. Um, I think I've probably complained about this on air, but I don't know why I make these episodes mini. It makes it so much harder to edit everything short. It's like, I'll, oh, this is a cool part of the conversation, but it's not really a thing. Now I have to make a slice and move everything over. And then like, it's like, oh, instead of these 30 second instrumental beds to give the listeners a little moment to think about what they just heard, I'll do 15. That's just more mm-hmm. buttons, more clicking, more editing. It's so weird. I still haven't figured out the right rhythm for them, but we do like to do these Monday drops occasionally as kind of a surprise, kind of like, I hate calling it content, but it is bonus content um, just to keep, keep people on their toes and make sure that we have um, some new things coming people's ways. Um, Always. Yeah. I think the last one was your interview with uh, the derelicts and debuting the song that you featured with um, the derelicts on. So that was cool too. Absolutely. So you, you never know with Dad Bod Rap Pod. You know what I mean? We might drop a little mini episode here and there. Um, I'm sure we'll be doing some interesting things for the, for the holidays coming up. Yeah, we have a couple of things we're discussing. I have a, I have a pretty cool idea for Thanksgiving that I haven't really talked to you or Dave about, but I will Uh-oh. soon. Yeah, soon, Uh-oh. man. It's like... I know. It's coming it's up, six man. Six weeks? Uh, That's four shows uh, for yeah. us. <laughs> Uh, a Thanksgiving like none other on the horizon. I want to give a, a Zoom quick call shout out. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Gosh. I'm over it. It's it's Indigenous People's Day. I think we should just keep rocking with that. Yeah, uh, indefinitely for this month. Um, uh, shout out to uh, Dave Maz. You can see I have not passed the ball to him. Uh, he's a little bit under the weather. We hope to have him back um, for upcoming episodes. But yeah, as always, shout Dave, out. Dave, it's funny how. Uh non non rona sicknesses are ravaging the three-man crew dude like i don't think we've all been in the same even zoom for quite a while so it's always better when the chemistry is all triangular but um people got to live their lives and me and you can hold it down let's get into an argument keep the people on their toes per per usual what the fans come for uh so like i said episode 139 we've got um an interview an atypical interview coming up real soon. Quite but an interview. With you, Nate, real quick. And um, you have been going to shows. In a way, in a way. Uh, it's funny, dude. Uh, so I went to two live stream events of MCs kind of that we've interviewed and that I'm big fans of. And mm. um, the, the first one was Arm & Hammer, which is Billy Woods and Elucid. And they, they kind of did a live stream I'm doing air quotes. The audience can't see, and I'll discuss why in a second. Um, of shrines, and then on uh, last Sunday, uh, Rap Ferreira did mm. a uh, full performance of his album "The Flies Don't Come." So the flies don't come, um, so which is flies. produced by Kenny Siegel. All of those people we've interviewed and we're big fans of, and in some cases, I would like, not, if not consider them friends, at least consider them people I know at this point. Um, so that, that was really cool. And yeah, the, the Arm and Hammer one, it, it ended up being less of a live stream and more of like a collective concert film watching experience. Okay. Like they, they had some footage they had done live when the world was open in January. And then they did like, kind of like a very hip hop, like, uh, New York rooftop, the like 
Lucid would come forward into the camera, Woods would kind of slink back into the shadows, and they, it was really coolly shot. I really thought it was excellently done, but it wasn't really live. Like, I, live. Kept, I kept wanting to be like, are they going to, like, hold up today's newspaper or, like... Like a was, ransom? <laughs> yeah. It was, like, the day... It was the day after the first presidential and maybe possibly, hopefully, the only presidential debate. I was like, is someone going to crack a Donald Trump joke, like, centered on the debate? Like... And, and honestly, dude, like in this underground hip hop thing of ours, people don't make concert films. Mm -mm. So it's like super cool to like see how one would do that. Yeah. And I was, yeah. you know, you know me ever since the pandemic started, I'm Mr. Proud to Pay. I'm like, I was just stoked to be able to give these dudes money. Um, yeah. The way that Arm & Hammer did it, they, they sold some exclusive merch. So like when you bought your ticket for the live stream, you got a link to a band camp that had some sweaters and stuff. So I bought a sweatshirt. Yeah. So it was just really cool. And like the, when the, when it first kicked on, it was really funny. It was 5 PM on a Wednesday. So it was basically just my last zoom meeting of the day. Like I didn't get up from my little workstation I've built in my kitchen. I just kind of like, you know, clicked over from my email to like the show. And so, yeah, you know, like in big cities, you'll see like dudes in like, they just took their tie off and like came yeah. to the club. I felt like yeah. one of those dudes in like the weird virtual sweatpants world that we're in right now, but it was super dope. Um, I've never seen Woods live. I've certainly never seen Elusive live. I've never even really had the chance to, they haven't come around at a time, but I was disengaged as a fan of theirs or had met them and interviewed them. So um, yeah, dude, it was, it was really cool. And it did make me miss going to shows kind of, it was um, really I, yeah, I was like, ah, I want to be, I don't really want to be around people. I want to like catch the vibe in person. Like Woods yeah. is such a powerful orator. And that's like one of the things I really like about him. I'm like, what is the one, like, what would it be like to see his face? <laughs> right. Cause it was pixelated for the most part, or he stayed in shadow for the most part. And it was interesting the way they navigated that kind of, and then um, Elucid's breath control and like kind of command of his rhymes and language was really really impressive and i was just like it's not quite like being there but, but right you know it's it was cool it was cool it, and it did make me miss it um rory's rap ferreras was kind of more like a rap show like it was live you could tell he was doing it live and he had an opener um pink navel who did his whole set and then there was this whole like intermission or whatever where they're just playing music and it's just like the camera is just on like the turntable or whatever, you know, people don't use turntables anymore. He was literally running the show off his phone. Um, and then he came out and did like a full hour. I think the album's like 40 minutes or something. He did the full, the full thing with interstitial commentary and talking about how they recorded some of the songs and Kenny Siegel and the time in his life, which was fascinating for me, you know, I'm like super into him. So mm. I wanted to know about all the, the downtrodden LA apartment living that led to <laughs> this album. And then, yeah, I did a couple songs from um, PMP purple moonlight pages. And that, that was kind of it. And that one was so show like it kind of made me not miss shows. I was about to say, did the opener make you go, Oh, now I remember what I don't like about shows. I'll say this. Um, if I wanted to go get a drink or use the restroom or switch up my environment, I could just take my earbuds out and walk yeah. away from the computer and just yeah. kind of keep one eye on everything, which was, you know, pretty, pretty good at certain points. But um, yeah, man, it was cool. I, 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 it's interesting seeing how people respond to this. It was like seven months of no shows, two in a week. Now, none on the horizon for me, you know what I mean? Which is so weird. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting though that he didn't do. Why did he do so? The flies don't come. I think it was an anniversary. I think it was the five-year anniversary. Okay. I believe that's the case. I don't actually know. I didn't research it that hard. I was like, oh, if there's a Rory show, like, and I don't have to leave my couch for it, of course I'm going to watch it. You know what I mean? I would have watched it if it was him reading the phone book or whatever. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I don't actually know, but I do believe it's the five-year anniversary. And like, things have changed a lot for him in those five years. Man, in these five years, he's really kind of made an ascent to the, to the forefront of the underground and it's it's been great to watch and then also you know having been a a, a small you know part not want to say part of it but we we were kind of uh there to cover the ascent as of, as uh, the show has grown so has his career and a, a major moment for the show was our big sit down interview with him that i think a yes. lot of people myself included considered to be the best interview ever done with him so it's just cool man it's just like it was cool to meet him it was cool to meet Eldon his DJ that day it was cool to like get a sense of him as a person and the way that whole thing came together was one of the really really cool special parts of doing this podcast so I don't consider us to be part of it he would have done what he was doing with or without us either way yeah yeah, it was it's it's been it's been really cool to track his career a little bit more closely trajectory no, we're not even close to rap for in terms of popularity. But uh, we are we are happy to uh, to cover um, even coverage is a strong word. I struggle because it's Interact like I'm with... not really a journalist to yeah. observe to make content out of. <laughs> I think of the things you said cover covers it most closely. Okay, we we cover these these artists, and, the, and the, there's kind of a thin line between PR and journalism and content production. And um, I don't think we're just parroting press releases. We're trying yeah. to ask insightful questions. We're trying to have nuanced conversations, and it's sort of from a fan perspective and sort of from a journalistic perspective. I would say it's it's we're way less journalistic when Dave is not around. I know when we have no you and I chatting, it's just kind of like, I don't don't consider myself to really be a journalist either, but um, occasionally I will do journalism, but that doesn't really make me a journalist per se. It's just someone who writes sometimes. Low, low, low key journalism here on dad by rap pod. You mentioned nuanced conversation. That is not the rote reading of press releases. I think that's a great segue into our interview uh, for today. So we'll, we'll be right back. Dad Bod Rap Pod. We are uh, we're a podcast that is very expansive. We formulated um, a Likert scale from zero to gangster one time, which involved uh, the left hand side being MC Paul Barman, and the right hand side being uh, we found out either Easy E R I P or MC Eight. And I'm I'm glad now that we've had both on the program. 
to kind of complete the it's scale. actually better we should we should go back and re-edit it so it's mca it's paul barman to mc8 zero to 100 and just take out the easy e thing because we're not going to get a chance to interview him sadly um, no. and then we can say and this is based on our personal experiences having interviewed both uh it, an amazing scale, but what it, what it leans into is in the nerd rap uh, kind of pantheon, uh, Paul Barman occupies a particular place. Um, and I, I shouldn't even say nerd rap because that's qualifying. Yeah, I was um, going to say that's that's more like that MC Lars mega ran, like that's a whole thing. Right. Like uh, MC Chris uh, had a, there was a whole movement with that. Like Paul Barman is like, a really technical MC who has kind of a rough voice and who has had an extremely unique career in what I would call like the, the intellectual side of underground hip hop more so than like a nerd rap niche. Okay. I think, I think that's fair. And I think because of his voice register and what I have landed on is because he is in a way absurd it's, or at least a lot of the things he does present to be absurd, even though sometimes they're really spot on. So I've had this own internal debate about this uh, for a long time, ever since actually his first release, which is absurd, uh, technically brilliant, and also just, it, it pushes your perceptions of what a rapper is. And I think a lot of people have this kind of knee-jerk reaction to him because rap is supposed to be a thing that the cool, air quotes you can't see, guys do. And he totally doesn't lean into any of that. And it was very interesting to talk to him and then realize that this is not shtick. Like, it is actually him and how he shows up in the world. Um, and so our interview, which you'll hear in a little bit, uh, really helped give me a perspective on Paul Barman as an artist and as, as an MC, and I think I'm leaning deeper into my fandom. Same. Um, I, I, I guess what I want to do is because, especially because I'm so bummed I missed this interview. Like, I feel like him and I would have had a lot of a lot Absolutely. to talk about, and I still think someday I would like to talk to him, and maybe I can arrange that through some other venue. But like, um, I think it's he's had a totally unprecedented career. And I just want to frame up like why we felt like we wanted yeah. to talk to him. And when we announced this on our Instagram live show, there was a pretty visceral knee jerk, like, Oh, MC Paul Barman, like not that, that guy. guy. It's like, yes, that guy. <laughs> um, and I, I would describe my curiosity about his music to always be at a high level, but my engagement with it to be at a fairly low level. Like I, I've, I've listened to basically everything he's ever done once. And it's usually okay. right when it comes out. And when he, when Prince Paul kind of reached for him and they did their first EP together, I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, <laughs> what is this? But as a person who loves language and who like, um, you know, has a large vocabulary and who like um, thinks in puns and riddles, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I actually like totally get his, his non-shtick. The way he is makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. Um, and so I just, I think people are under a false impression that it's not good. And I just, it yeah. is good. It's just kind of hard to listen to. And I think those two things are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As somebody who talked themselves or who 
learn to love the music of Bob Dylan. Um, I, I, I'm not saying he's Dylan, but I'm just saying that, that what you just set up is perfect. It's not always the easiest listen, um, but it's so witty, it's so dense. And we were talking about this on the live stream a little bit, was he leans into the craft of the rhyme scheme, maybe like nobody else. Like he, um, in his, maybe his favorite song, um, my favorite song of his, uh, which is the 10 Job Commandments. Uh, he rhymes the words, um, he says it was a painful waste of time and then he rhymes that with tasty rhyme. And there's just, as a rapper, in a million years, there's no way that I would sit down and do that. Um, but he's able to do something that is so, he's leaning so much into the iambic rhyme scheme thing, and he just follows it to its conclusion and sells it um, in a way that I think is really, really interesting once you get into it. Absolutely. Um, I, he's often doing word game style rapping that I don't think the audience is even necessarily aware of on um, echo chamber. He has a couple of songs that are acrostics. So if you took the first letter of each word, it would, it would add up to a word. He talks sure. about this a lot in his cypher interview with friend of the program, Sean Sotero, which is one of the best wow. hip hop podcast episodes I've ever listened to. And I highly recommend that everybody go and listen to it. And they talk a lot about craft and have a, a much more straightforward conversation than you and Dave ended up having <laughs> with Paul. But I, I want to say two things before we have to kind of let you guys hear the interview for themselves. One is that he has gotten so much better during his recording career. If there's, mm -hmm. if, if for no other reason you should listen to some MC Paul Barman to go back and listen to something from it's very stimulating and then listen to something from echo chamber and be like, holy shit, this guy got 10 times better. It's, right. um, it's just, it's remarkable. Not all rappers get better. A lot of people, their first album is their best album. And then one could say they get worse. Um, this yeah. is a, this is kind of a, such a craft oriented approach that you can hear him getting better at it. And he's also became aware at some point of the kind of grating nature of his natural timbre of his voice and he worked harder to get into more of a conversational tone and it mm. makes it easier to listen to. And the second thing is, and this sounds a little weird and you'll, you'll see why I'm pausing here before I say it is like, especially now there is so little whimsy in rap mm. music. Like, like it's okay. There's room for all kinds of different looks. Like we talked about this a little bit with Saw Rock and Kathy Yandoli um, last week. Like you need, you need room for, you know, your Megan's and your Rhapsodies, but you also need room for like your Paul Barman's and your Busta Rhymes's. You know what I mean? Like you need, you need, uh, he seems like he would be at home in like kind of like a Yo Gabba Gabba, um, like bit. children's uh, approach setup thing, like a, like a children's programming educational kind of kind of thing and he also like can hang with doom open mic eagle like really really great mcs like c ray's walls on one of the tracks i was listening to today from his 2017 album it's like c ray's walls is not coming into a recording session of fucking around you know what i mean like it's not this is not a joke i don't know how else to really describe it but you you know what i'm saying right 
Yeah, yeah. And I feel like um, one of the things, I'm glad you brought up this idea of, of whimsy. I think one of the things that I, as a rapper and as a proponent of the culture, um, I don't like when rap gets too close to being a lifestyle um, uh, contest. So when we get into this thing of, and I think a lot of the coke rap kind of skews it to where it says, if you're not doing these things, if your life is not comprised of these things, what do you have to rap about? And I look at it the other way. I, I will listen to whatever you're rapping about if you can make it interesting. Like, and that's, and that's the, the long and short of it. Like there are people who rap about, who have lived very interesting lives, who have not found a way to rap about that in an interesting way. And there are people who do mundane things. I think going back to even uh, not so whimsical, but Video Days album, um, when he kind of just breaks down an average week, like a day in the life thing, but he made it work. And that's not a day in the life of a hustler. It was like a day in the life of a day job guy who's got a regular bar and who meets a woman and who goes to a show. And like, it, that, yeah. frankly, before the Rona, that, that's the kind of day guys we are. <laughs> Yeah, like we're, we're not single. Or I'm, I'm not single, but it's like you know the whole the whole thing of that video. That's a really that's a really interesting comparison, and I like that video, Dave record, and I'm glad we're talking about it. Paul Barman's regular guyness is like dude who reads the dictionary, dude who goes down YouTube or Wikipedia wormhole on some obscure yep. concept like owl pellets. I listened to a whole song he did today about owl pellets, and I kind of couldn't. I mean, I'm a former camp counselor, like. I've seen an owl pellet. I've dissected an owl pellet with fifth graders. The fact that a dude's rapping about this and rapping about it in like a, a dope way is shocking yeah. to me. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I don't want to give everyone the wrong idea and I don't feel like Paul needs to be defended. I just wanted to frame this up a little bit because yeah. like one, I wasn't there to do it in person and I have thoughts that I've wanted to get out, but I also want people to understand like I don't listen to his music all the time. I like I'm blown away by it when I do, but I have to really be in like a the super mood for it to even go there. You know what I mean? Like I would kind of listen, rather listen to like a, you know, who's an interesting comparison and someone who's kind of the Venn diagram between West Side Gun, Coke rap over here and Paul Barman level wordplay over here is Crime Apple. It's like That's Crime Apple great... has like very intricate rhymes and like very unexpected words that he rhymes but he's essentially living the lifestyle or projecting the lifestyle of like the streets but it's that level of craftsmanship in the writing right that's that's so interesting yeah no that is a good a good midway point and i would even say to your earlier point crime apple has a little bit of whimsy like it's a little sillier than a uh, west side gun is gonna be right um and and i feel like yeah there's definitely room for all of that I think uh, there's also your idea of him getting better and better. I think Echo Chamber and uh, Mushroom Kaboom, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, I think they're really good records. If you listen to Paul Barman, whatever, 10, 15 years ago, and you're like, eh, I think his last couple of records are really good. He, he teases in the interview that he's got a lot of other stuff uh, with other producers that's just kind of uh, waiting to come out in the can. So I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes with it. But I, I do want to say, because uh, having been a part of the interview, um, super cool dude. Like, it's just so refreshing when you talk to a rapper and they are themselves, who they, who they projected to be on the record 
is really them, um, which is true, I think, for both MCA and Paul Barman, uh, to bring it back to that. Spectrum. The most different people we've ever talked to, but themselves in a very visceral way. That jumps, that jumps out at you when you talk to them. And hopefully uh, when you listen to it here on the pod. Um, so we're going to let you check it out, form your own opinions. I'm glad we got to talk about his music because he really dodged those questions pretty well in the interview. Um, but it was super entertaining nonetheless. I have to say, we haven't had a really left field interview in a while. Actually, the last one I can really remember where we were like staring at each other in disbelief was Camp Low. And that was years ago now. Years ago. And that was for very different reasons. So there have been a few others where we were staring at each other in disbelief for various other things that we won't get into right now. But um, I've I've only listened to this in pieces. I'm going to listen to it when I put this week's show together. But I thought you and Dave did did a good job of rolling with the punches. And uh, I, again, just bummed that I missed it. But I thought you guys did a great job. Thanks, man. We appreciate uh, the vote of confidence. Um, And, you know, that's the beauty of having a three-man team. We can – we get in there and get it done when we need to. Um, So, yeah, I guess we should uh, just let them peep at themselves. Yeah, stop teasing. Absolutely. So this is our interview with the incomparable MC Paul Barman, Dad Bod Rap Pop. Yo, Paul, how are you, man? Not bad. How are you? Doing well. Do um, I sound all right? I'm using internet. I mean, uh, cellular. Yeah, it sounds great. Internet. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, you sound just like you do on record. This is, this is such a trip, man. But uh, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for getting back to me. Um, we're looking forward to this talk. You're welcome. Me right. too. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I'm just, I'm, I'll do a little intro and then we'll, we'll jump right into it and just ask, ask some questions about your storied career. Um, all right. I don't remember. (laughs) Smart. Dad bod rap pod, another dope episode, another dope interview joining us in zoom pleading the fifth. We have MC Paul Barman. How's it going, man? Yes. Hello. Man, uh, great to have you on the program. Um, your career, which you claim not to remember, and I, and I get it, uh, <laughs> has, has taken so many interesting twists and turns. Um, I know we'll jump around a little bit about different parts in your career, but I just, I'm curious to know, like, how did you get started? Like, what was that moment where you went from kind of ideating, you know, I could be a rapper to like, I'm a rapper? Like, when did that happen? Mm. Well, first of all, 
I feel like I'm cheating that I'm looking at you, but you can't see me. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Is this, is this a tree or what, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my hoodie over my eyes to make things more equitable. <laughs> Thank you. We, we appreciate it, Pete. This is the illest image from a recent thing I threw on Bandcamp a few months ago where I had this beautiful, so I was at the Philly Museum of Art over the um, winter holidays, as okay. they euphemistically call it, last year. And there was this really simple method of making snowflakes okay. that I kind of got obsessed with and every scrap of gift wrap. I was like, oh, gold foil, check me out. <laughs> and then, um, And then I recorded on voice memo um some close friends where i was just kind of unloading some some stuff that had been on my mind that came out of this really cool uh two session workshop i taught through the auspices of barry poetry club via zoom called urgent voice magic and um you know some people blithely ask you to kind of reduce your message down to just a few words, like that's an easy thing to do. And to my amazement, it kind of happened in this little session, which was please draw at least one sentence every day, something like that anyway. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I found this wonderful Dutch designer through the internet during the COVID period who helped me turn like, just kind of flights of fancy I had into beautifully executed images that I would send via my like extremely miraculously still working ancient iPhone. And, um, and I remember looking up at the canopy of trees in Prospect Park and remembering my little stash of gold snowflakes and I was like, oh, that's it. That's it. And I took a picture right above me and I sent him the two images and he composited oh, them for me. This and is that's a, what you're looking at. A compilation oh, okay. of those images. Right. Oh. It's so beautiful. You thought it was one thing. I did. I did. <laughs> ah, I shouldn't have ruined it. But I mean, so that was a very concrete answer. What I, what I meant to say was that's the light of inspiration shining through the trees I was looking up at. Keep Boom. it simple. Boom. That is that is so dope. As you know, most rappers do have a, a tin foil collection that they that they, <laughs> they, turn that into. they wear on their head. Yeah, <laughs> this is how most rappers get get started in in the game. Um, you mentioned your poetry your poetry class, uh, and you you've been doing some teaching. I was I was reading it on was the internet. So cool, God, it was great. I learned so much doing it. The first. Uh, the first session, I put all my prep into like just what I thought would be the illest like slide deck. And then it went fine. And then my new buddy who's a comedian surreptitiously gave me the password for Masterclass. Nice. And I watched the Steve Martin 
episodes. <laughs> Actually, I'm only three in because COVID is insane. I have no free time. What blah blah blah. And it's just Steve Martin at a desk. And there's jump cuts and everything. And I was like, oh, when someone's really in it, it's no frills. And it's, it's, this, it's the ish. And so in between sessions, I got to know my workshopees a little better. And I completely threw out like the prepared remarks. And we just vibed. And mm. the feedback I got later was, like, the first class was cool, but, like, the second one was, like, the real one. Mm. And um, so I'm grateful that I got to watch Steve Martin just kind of expostulate because it, it reminded me that you didn't need to hide behind, like, a, 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 you know, a savvy, clever sequence of, of words or images or whatever. Right, right. Um, Paul, I wanted to. I didn't answer your question at all. Sorry. <laughs> no, that no, but that that was hot though. That was hot though. <laughs> um, Paul, I'd like to sort of bring it back to the beginning, um, like Damone was doing earlier. But I just wanted to talk to you guys. Bit. Aren't old enough for dad bods? <laughs> like you're in your 30s. Paul, oh, pa no, Paul, no. Paul. Now I will. I will say this: We are your demo. <laughs> I, I listened to uh what is it your uh i'm sorry bloom bloom mushroom dang it i have the notes here you, there's thought you, balloon mushroom cloud and there's blue moon kaboom blue moon kaboom which i thought was a was a, a great record for our age demographic you talk about uh the 10 job commandments oh that's uh, a good one as, as well as as some of the the uh, issues of domestication and kind of like being a stay-at-home dad person. Did, is it true that like you were pulled out of retirement by Questlove sending you beats at home while you were just living dad life? <laughs> okay, let me answer all your questions out of sequence. <laughs> Quest actually sent me those beats when my second son was born. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about pulled out of retirement, but um, I was doing lots of different like EPs and LPs and day jobs. And um, I think it suddenly dawned, I had a moment of clarity where I was like, why don't you use the Quest Love Beats that you have lots of? Like, <laughs> keep it together. Actually, the initial concept for that was to do a whole album of biographies. I think that's mm -hmm. kind of what he expected at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, uh, Oh, that's where the KRS track comes from. Well, actually, no, I didn't do that. Well, kind of. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to deflate your energy. God forbid. Um, I did, it didn't, you know how it is. Like you can't force a rhyme on a beat. Sure. Right. Sure. Let's see. I had a Tim Westwood one. I had a pretty cool one about Ghostface. Um, the one I want, the one I promised to do that I still haven't done is uh, Buckminster Fuller. <laughs> Although, what I really am excited about with him is he did a forty-hour lecture called "Everything I Know," and. Um, 
I really do like that as a plat. Like everything I know, part two is yeah. probably going to come out soon. Three CDs. Damn. No, just one song at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love the idea of pretty much any of us getting on stage and being like, "Okay, everything I know, your version." Right. Right. Paul, can you talk about postgraduate work, the seven inch from 1998 and how that sure. got to, how it got to Prince Paul and how that led to, it's very stimulating. I put it in the mail and he wrote me a letter. All right, next question. <laughs> yes, it was on Doodoo Man stationery, guys. I can't find it. You know who else wrote me a letter that I can't find from the seven inch I sent? David Foster Wallace. Shut the fuck up. Are you serious? Yep, he, it was on Yellow Ledger, and he said, I asked all my friends if they had turntables, and they all laughed at me. This is 98, mind you. Yeah. It's not like... <laughs> 2008. It's yeah. not like when radio debuted. Right. <laughs> and um, I always wished I had just sent him my turntable. That would have been the gangster response. True that. Damn. And I also sent it to... a linguist named Willard Espy and his wife sent me back the seven inch saying, sorry, Willard has gone blind. Ooh. I'm like, lady, it's he a can hear it. play it for him. <laughs> <laughs> and I also sent it to games magazine because there was a puzzle on the back and that's what brought me my first published puzzle. All right. And um, to answer your early question, which I didn't intend to dodge, but then you followed it up with one that captured my interest, was um, after I was absolutely bitten by a bug of rhyming that mm -hmm. started with words and progressed to couplets and then progressed to like other stuff and then song concepts, which was really the breakthrough of postgraduate work for me. Mm. I suddenly had a story that came out of my just kind of like playing with writing as an art form. And when I wrote what was on the record called Enter Pan Man, mm -hmm. I knew it was my medium. Mm. I knew that all my searching for how I was gonna express myself, or even if I didn't know I was searching, I never really was married to a medium outside of like drawing. Mm. And it was in college where I experienced people a hundred thousand times better drawing than me. And I was in the, I, I, I was in what ended up being not a famous necessary, not a, how can I put this? It appears that I was a part of some kind of loose movement of a way above average talented people in one group in one place. And I kind of thought like, Oh, that's RISD or something. And RISD is still great. And you know, the talking heads came out of it, but like there's just waves and there was kind of a friendly or maybe even at times superficially friendly competition between a big, big, big group of us. And it was important for me to be, I don't want to say that this may come, sound wrong, but like the best 
of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And it was really instructive. It, we just all really bounced off each other, man. Mm. Like um, there's a g gallerist named Dan Nadell who, ended, who actually was the one who enlightened me that something out of the ordinary had happened because he started exhibiting a lot of these artists and talking about it as a scene worth putting into some sort of historical context. Mm. I was like, oh my God, it really was different, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Anyway, looking back after I sort of through, um, through just kind of, hap I, don't, I don't know what the right, right word is. I, didn't, I was going to say folly, but then I censored myself. Um, looking after I realized there was absolutely no doubt that songwriting and rhyming was my medium, I remembered writing a Canterbury tale in high school and I did all of my papers last minute, but only one of them was one I thought was like great. And it was the one that I wrote in the, um, like as it like an additional Chaucer tale or something. And it was like filthy and everything, but that wasn't the, like I was basically to answer your first question, It, I realized that it must have been 92 or three that um, like if I had had my antennae up in a different way, I would have known that was my thing earlier. Mm. Mm. Okay. And, and, and who, who was doing it for you in 92, 93? Like who are you gravitating towards? Um, Cause you're, you're from the East coast. Yes, uh, sir. So, so for me, from my perspective, and I know it's arguable and everything, there was a grotesque dry period between 1990 and 93. I know that doesn't jive Ooh. with 90s being the golden age of hip-hop, blah, blah, Ooh. blah. Spicy. 89 was so explosive that I was feeling very disappointed after that. Really? Okay. And it wasn't until Wu-Tang and I guess Nas and Mob Deep that I was like, hold up, this thing is happening again. For me, it felt like again. Interesting, wow. For me, 88, 89, in hip hop, that was what was doing it for me. Okay, and that's, that's Public Enemy, Rakim, is the, are these the, the voices that you're gravitating to? Well, towards? Rakim would be earlier. Rakim, I would be exposed to music box i think it was 86 mm -hmm. and um yeah public enemy de la uh the juice crew i mean you know all um, the all the tapes speaking of juice crew um you you were on master ace's disposable arts for um mm -hmm. for like a little interlude how did that happen and how did you guys link up and how did he end up being on your song years later Let me think for a second. I've noticed on podcasts, people are always asking how people met each other. Mm -hmm. 
the way we all met each other, including you, is by being lonely enough to need to be an artist and reach out to strangers with kindred spirits. Mm. That would be my answer for him as well. There it is. There it is. There it is. So maybe I can meet Master Ace too. I think (laughs) think that's a... Wow. Um, So kind of bringing it back full circle, you're a huge De La fan. You send Paul... Uh, a record he sends you a freaking letter back which if you can find the doo-doo man stationery what do you think it would go for on ebay like a lot less than his drum machines <laughs> right <laughs> bada bing um <laughs> how, how was that though i'm not gonna ask you how you met but you get you get this letter back from paul was it like validation? <laughs> that's how Did we it- met <laughs> um i you know, I jumped up and down and ran in circles. There was a phone number on it and I called him and he played me the Salvation Barmy beat over the phone. Mm. And that's when I calmed down because I was like, wait, that really is for me. This is wild. Mm. That, after that, like, I mean, I still was like a little bit not cool around him. <laughs> it took me. A, I still kind of feel that way. But... um you know, he produces four people, right? At the time, I didn't know it was like black Italiano outtakes. I, it just sounded like if any beat was made for me, this is it. And now we're collaborating and we're just coming together to make music and I don't have to be nervous because I have to serve the art. Mm. 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 and um and then when we met in person <laughs> that was unforgettable it was at this oh man it was it was like a cool bar for a while and before that it was like a little venue and i'll i'll just never forget going down um it was like 7th avenue and i don't know 11th or 12th street or something and he was standing there and i don't think i totally knew what he looked like and it, the music was playing real real loud and i was just kind of like hey uh it's me <laughs> nice to meet you and that's where we met wow wow um a friend of the program and a friend of ours has has um let us in on a little bit of info his name's a small professor and that he said that you guys are, uh, you know, working on a little project. Is there anything about that you could let the fans know, like the progress of that and how that's coming along? I mean, small professor, don't make me put you on blast, my friend. <laughs> Please do. I stopped tracking around 11 months ago. <laughs> um, he sent me stuff that went in a place that I kind of couldn't find. I'm sort of supposed to become a self-produced maverick like Doom or Edan. <laughs> and I kind hopefully there's still time for something like that. <laughs> Instead, I keep running around with all these wonderful collaborators. Um, and, you know, certainly after... So this is the op... In some ways, this is the opposite of Prince Paul. 
because mm. people were sending me beats after that, like, I sampled the Circus Calliope. <laughs> You're going to be tight on it. Do what you did before, but worse. <laughs> and I was just like, I prefer to get better. But, um, so basically, the album is not totally grimy, so to speak. Okay. But some of these beats, I was like, this is some of the heaviest stuff I've heard in a minute. Okay. And I was very, very excited to uh, either write to it or throw down something that I already had. Mm. Because I don't know if you guys feel this way, but as horrible and relentless as this period has been, doesn't it, and, and you know, oppressive and dangerous and all that, there, don't you feel to some degree that it's been a pressure release for you and now people, mm. and now you're less alone in certain kinds of feelings and it, and it like assuages those feelings? Mm. Mm. Do you agree with that? That's heavy. Um, I'll say this, uh, to walk around in the blind rage that I usually have is kind of like cool now. Like now my jokes aren't taken as being like dark and weird. It's like, Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt that there was an amazing amount of pressure I was feeling before. And I could not stop writing in that mode. Mm. And so small prose beats that I'm particularly speaking of were a real conduit to give the, the, the independent pressure release that can't compare to the global pressure release. Ooh, is that the, is that the record, global pressure release? Is that, that's it's, called love, it's called Love Takes Action. Oh, oh. okay, okay. Oh. Uh, he didn't tell you that? He Am did I not. not. Supposed to, I'm, I'm, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know about this marketing schemes where it's like, no, son. One announcement at a time. <laughs> then you do the preview of the album cover. Then a week later, the track list. And I swear, between 12 and 15 people will notice. <laughs> and now with our podcast, 22 to 27. Uh, 27 yeah. tops. Yeah. Much definitely. appreciated. Uh, beyond the, I, I'm, now I have a question kind of riffing off of that. Uh, small Pro, one of his, I think, greatest beats uh was the beat detail that armin hammer um that armin hammer flipped into a song i'm wondering do you listen to armin hammer are you are you kind of are you up on that uh, listen up jealous people complete collection of mint vinyl mm, okay <laughs> <laughs> i just got my vinyl sleeves yesterday okay i mean uh you know the plastic ones yeah what do you call them uh yeah Okay. Did you so, hear Elucid's um, solo EP a few projects ago? My brother Youngman is on the last track of that. You should really hear it. Okay. Oh, dope. Okay. 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 We're, we're big fans of Elucid. Okay. Youngman. Awesome. Awesome. You should set up an interview with Youngman also. He's a trip. Would okay. love to. Would love to. Would love to. So, Paul, so, so what are your creative sort of plans, um, you know, for the next next few months like what do you got what are you working on what are you into 
uh, what, what, can, what can we expect? Thank you for asking me that. I write constantly and um, I record constantly. I draw not as much as I would like. And um, I do not release things constantly. Right. So <laughs> I have an exorbitant number of one producer projects and um, in various states of um, completion. So I'm kind of, the mission now, besides like figuring out how to live in a country that will fall to fascism completely. Right. <laughs> um, you know, get the artwork together and like whatever cool stuff would come with it. Like, <sighs> I wish I had a really awesome answer for you. I'm kind of, I mean, it's kind of a miracle even to be talking with you in a modicum of good cheer or organized thought. <laughs> which which we sure. appreciate. Neither is required for our interviews, if you've ever heard that. <laughs> are you guys in Philly, by the way? No, no, no. We are in San Jose, California. Oh, yeah. I love San Jose. West Coast. Really? You've been to San Jose? Sorry, I was thinking of San Diego. <laughs> I do love San Diego though. I could tell by that we could tell by that silence that it wasn't San Jose. He's like, where are you guys from? Uh, Never heard that of is it. So funny. My big association with San Jose is um Say it. Live at the Roxy, Zappa. Live I'm at going the Roxy. back home. Do you know that song Village of the Sun? Mm-mm. It's like, you know, it's like near San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Okay. We'll wow. have Village of the Sun, Sun. I thought you were going to go for uh, MF Doom, throw San Jose under the bus on Contact Blit. What'd he say? <laughs> we couldn't stand to stay in San Jose. Plus, we had a show in LA that same day. We take that as a point of pride. We were seen by <laughs> Doom in that moment. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take are you the guys. Bliss. Are you guys um, born and raised San Jose? Yep. I actually uh, grew up with a kid named David Ma. When you first reached out, I flipped. No way. Yeah. Whoa, that's I guess crazy. it's a pretty common name. Um, kind of. Kind of. But is, lots of Davids but, and lots of Chinese guys, so. Is he as swaggy as this <laughs> David Ma, though, is the question. I took Mandarin in high school. Man. We, we are, yeah. This is a revealing interview. Washi Eagle Meg Warren. Oh, man. The, the, this is what we're here for. I mean, you guys tune in to hear Paul Barman speak to Mandarin. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. that is... Uh, the characters are so beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Paul Barman... So tell me about yourselves. <laughs> Damone, Damone is um, a rapper. He's a rapper and local community hero. And what they, local community hero? What do I do to community hero? Um, a lot of community organizing around the arts. Um, used to do after school programs for for hip hop kids and such. Uh, cool. Yeah, various things that don't uh, show up here on the podcast too often. So thank you for asking. Uh, Why not? 
Well, because, you know, it's not you don't about engage them in the conversation, you merely interrogate them? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a platform for interrogation of some of our favorite artists. <laughs> so, like, what do you do with the after-school programs? Uh, teaching, basically, that was a lot of teaching kids uh, how to DJ and how to break dance. Uh, nice. Yeah, a little, a little bit of rapping and also just stuff about hip-hop culture. But, you know, we're... Dave as well. We're kind of San Jose guys. We're integrated into the civic life. Uh, we do this podcast, though, because we only really know about rap music. Everything else is just a front. <laughs> hey, speak for yourself, Damon. No, sorry. <laughs> Dave, you have actual degrees. All I really know is about rap music. Um, yeah. So we're... Paul, tell us, about, tell us about dad life. I'm a dad. Dave's not a dad. How, how is being a rapper and a dad working out for you? Right. Um, that's a really hard question. Do your kids it's, know about your music? Are they of age to know that you do rapping and engage with your music at all? Of course. Okay. I don't know why that... My gut response is the spotlight is so off the dad that it makes being an artist of any stripe practically impossible. Mm. 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 You say, On the you say. other hand, my <laughs> older son recently was like listening to some recordings where I was really getting it done. And he was like, imagine if everybody had a microphone to shout in. They wouldn't have to go oppress other people. Wow. I was like, exactly. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. If everybody had a mic to shout in. Is that like the new, if I could teach the world to sing? <laughs> if everybody art, had a mic to shout in. You, art is cathartic. You can't spell cathartic without no, art. <laughs> Everyone should make art. Everyone is so invested in being a superstar that they lost every semblance of just mm. kicking it on the porch. Mm. Right. And art is a crucial part of wellness, which is so hot right now. Wellness is hot in the streets. Self-care. Self-care, self-care is where, it, what, is, what is the Paul Barman self-care? What do you do when you're not spitting bars? What do you do to kind of take, take, take some steam off? I mean, it, it's, it's nothing too out of the ordinary. I mean, if you listen to that track I mentioned earlier, as soon as like a paintbrush hits the paper, you're going to, it's a nice transition. Mm. And mm. one thing that I talk about that I don't hear other people talking about is the difference between uh, the light on your medium and the light shining into your eyeballs, disintegrating you into data points. The direction of the light is important. So anytime you're drawing, and I'm not talking about procreate, although I know that's great too, even pencil to paper. That's why I said draw one sentence every day. At some point, you're going to mm -hmm. understand that 
drawing and writing are the same and that's not an original thought that's every graffiti person that's abstract expressionist talking about the type of marks they make mm-hmm. make a mark on the paper like now is that like the most evolved answer that's been my habitual relaxation since childhood does that compare to shooting hoops or something which like which actually gets you completely out of your mind that's not my thing that would probably be even better mm. so okay. paul barman is is looking to 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 get his jump shot together do you play sports at all is there any <laughs> athletic activity that paul barman engages in i do my best to you know be active with uh my kids i the elimination of walking as a mm. habitual part of New York life has mm. been a real loss. Mm. Um, I struggle with caring which team wins and where the ball goes. <laughs> a question I often ask is, is anybody on that team actually from that town? Like, how comfortable are people saying the word franchise yeah you know what i mean in regards Mm -hmm. to sports Mm -hmm. like okay now i'm gonna i know that this is only supposed to be 20 minutes right (laughs) go in paul barman yeah man do you man obama you got a lot of nerve telling (laughs) lebron to keep playing and then sit in the front like you're some sort of celebrated hero <laughs> you broke the strike and then you lorded over the proletariat millionaires in a fake performance of division. <laughs> there it is. That is that felt good. That was amazing. Uh I've been searching for that exact take at that volume for like four weeks. And uh so if nothing else, Paul, I really appreciate you articulating that. Also very, very problematic is our use of the term owner with relation to sports. Right. Um, they love it. <laughs> they love saying franchise and owner. You can see the drool trickle out of their cash <laughs> eye socket tear. <laughs> um, so, Paul, <laughs> <laughs> this, this has been great. I, I, I oh, like, we seriously appreciate most people just give us canned responses. So we, yeah. appre- we appreciate your candor. We're big fans of the work. We are looking forward to your project with Small Pro and any of these other projects that you've got in the can that will hopefully see the light of day, man. Just thank you so much they for will. coming on the program. They will. Thank you for caring. Dad bod rap pod. That was our interview with MC Paul Barman. A quick postscript on that interview was he reached out afterwards via email um, because as you heard in the interview, he asked me and Dave about ourselves and Dave kind of 
propped me up as as a community organizer, kind of hip hop teacher guy. And MC Paul Barman reached out with a really cool uh, activity for me to do uh, in a in a residency that I'm currently doing uh, called the Rap Opera Project, um, which was just again so cool. I don't think we've ever had an, a guest that was like number one interested in who we were as people. Not that they have to be; it's fine. Like we're not here for that. But also thoughtful enough to kind of reach back out and say, "Hey, I, I did this with some of my students. You should check it out." And I actually am going to to uh, to put it to work. So. Shout out to Paul Barman and the Feel Wheel, um, which he, uh, again, amazing. Um, yeah, so that, that was a, a very interesting interview. The Stony Island Pods era of Dad Bod Rap Pod keeps rolling along. Um, we're doing all right, huh, Nate? Yeah, dude, we're, we're definitely doing good. It's funny sharing an email inbox because I watched all that happen with the MC Paul Barman and I'm like <laughs> MC Paul Barman is so cool who does that um I just think it's very there's a sweetness to him even though it's like it's a lot of energy and absurdity but he's a nice man like you yeah. could just fundamentally tell he's a nice man and many of the people that we've interviewed have been extremely nice people like Sterling Tolls comes to mind yeah. um just like people who we're, we're like oh my god like what a sweetheart you know what i mean yeah. and usually yeah. we do the thing where i'm like the interview ends and we do the kind of like look at each other and it's like what a gentleman or like oh my god what a like just like wild person and i can think of people that i'm not necessarily going to name who fit all of those <laughs> descriptions but it's it's good to meet the nice guys um yeah. and the people who care and and i think that's really cool but um yeah man the show's doing great i think um it has been an exciting time. We can't, the first four weeks were really like where we were like hard charging and like really put our energy all back into it. And then I kind of got sick and now Dave's not feeling well. And now we're kind of like back to normal with it. Um, I don't think it made the cut, but in my mini episode with Alaska that came out on Monday, we were talking about podcast stuff as podcast people will on the phone or zoom or whatever. And he's like, you know, you have two months where it's like amazing. And then you have two months where you're like, Oh, I got to go do this thing. And then you have two months. And I think we just had our two months where it was amazing. And it was probably the most amazing it's ever right. been. And now it's, you know, now we got to find what's the next thing that's going to excite us about it. And we have end of the year content that we need to start thinking about. And we have like holiday stuff we need to start thinking about and we have some people we've reached out to that we're like flirting with it's in the flirty stage of like are we going to be able to make this happen but yeah I mean I love doing the show with you guys and it's a big part of my life and I think that um to see people engaging with it and responding to yeah. it is just really exciting for me really really fulfilling for me in a way that not a lot of things are in real especially life now. you know yeah. <laughs> given our circumstances Oh man, yeah. Uh, the podcast has definitely been a godsend uh, throughout this time. I I think for me, um, at this point in my career, and I'll use that very broadly of all the different things that I've done, um, I really look forward to the like the consistency part of it. Like, we're just gonna do this shit every week, and sometimes it's gonna be amazing and fun, and sometimes we have to just grit that shit out, but. Um, the fact that we're going to land on an episode every week um, is, is still really exciting to me. And I, I like to see the numbers pile up on the board. And also it's, it's heartening to see that 
the listening numbers are going up. We're still not making Blue Apron money, everybody. You have to tell a friend about the Dad Bod Rap Pod. If you like our content, if you know you have friends that would be uh, into it, we really uh, rely on the word of mouth. Please rate uh, rate us on Apple Apple Music. Um, we are currently 27th in Norway in terms of music podcasts. We need to be 25th by next week. So like and rate us on Apple Music. Um, you can interact with us on Twitter at DadBodRapPod. You can interact with us on Instagram at DadBodRapPod. Every Friday at 5.30 Pacific Standard Time, um, two of the three dad bods show up to kind of, you know, I call it the weekend rap. Remember how Yeah, yeah the totally. Rock? It's nice uh, to, it's a nice capper between the end of the real life week and the beginning of the weekend. And it's like, we talk about the show, we talk about records, we talk about things that are happening that aren't like segment worthy. Um, I think I think in those things, if like you want to get to know us, you'll learn a lot more about us on that show than you will on this show. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you and you learn plenty about us on this show. I think we're pretty honest, but on Probably that one, much. it's kind of like dad, dad bought unfiltered. <laughs> That's right. Dad bought after dark. Uh, tune in uh, on Instagram uh, on our Instagram live feed. I was talking to someone about this earlier in the week, and uh, I was saying like we perform so much harder for like the fifteen people on Instagram live than we do for the couple thousand people on here. <laughs> one because like you can see us, and two because like. It's just, it's live. It's immediate. Like the, the weird way the chat thing works and like the little heart dealies going on the side is like something about it just like wakes me up and it's like, okay, like even last week where I was still kind of sick and groggy, I was like, you gotta like, you gotta go in, like have an opinion, say something, God damn yeah. it. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you can't just sit there and be like, oh, what do you want to talk about? You know what I mean? It's just, it's such mm. a weird thing. But anyway. I, I love it. I love it, man. Uh, Live live streaming is the closest that I can get to performance right now. So I, I really, I enjoy that space and we invite you to kind of pull up, uh, put your questions in the chat. We try to respond to as many as we can. Uh, as many non-necro non related questions as we can. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and maybe this is more of an Instagram live bit than a podcast bit, but I'm having the thought right now do you ever want to wrap a thing for us? Like, oh, do a little, do a little thingy, like a well, okay. the bad squad, the dad bot, you know, like do, like do a... squad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I am on an upcoming interview. You'll hear me ask a fellow rapper podcaster about their experience balancing these two things. I always think about this when I think about doing something like that, or even like when we're we're talking to rappers and we had an idea of having a cypher with some rappers. And I was like, should I get in that? Like, you know, like I, I always come back to this. I saw big Tigger of rap city fame. Um, he would have artists in the, in the basement thing. And he'd always try to get his bars in. And I was <laughs> going, like, bro, pick a side. Yeah. Pick a side. Are you, are you the artist right now? Or are you, uh, creating a platform for the artist because when you try to do both I always just felt that was like a little bit like meh we've, we've crossed over uh, I got to do a mini episode about a, a, a project that was near and dear to me uh, the first ever demo that I did is going to be released on vinyl um, in a couple months oh wow uh, 
uh, with my group Lackadaisical. Oh, cool. Keep me posted on that. We'll talk about it on the side. The only reason I bring it up is now that we're Stony Islanders, uh, Mike Eagle wrapped very well the intro to his Prince Paul show. Oh. What had happened was Blueprint okay. on Super Duty Tough Work has a, a rapping segment on his thing. And so, I don't know. Okay. Let's just talk about this. So you don't have, No pressure, but if you ever want to figure out a way to incorporate that talent of yours into the show, I'm very it's, open it's to it. It's on the clock, Damone. Like we didn't, <laughs> we didn't bring you in here to not rap. Okay, there it is. Uh, I, I def, I'm definitely, I'm definitely interested in in ways that are are tasteful. Um, I guess that's all. That's all. I fair enough. Say. Fair enough. Uh, but we we appreciate everybody rocking with us uh, for the past 139 episodes. We are going to keep chugging along. We ask that you, um, you know, check us out wherever you get your podcast content. Apple. Uh, SoundCloud, maybe. Uh, Google Play, no longer. Where, where can you hear this damn podcast? Well, I think a, a listener very helpfully pointed out that it's not that Google Play is gone. It's that it's rebranded. It's, it's, it's called YouTube Google Podcasts, YouTube. right? Well, oh, there's Google Podcasts. I yeah. thought Google Play... Uh, they look back, I, we've had quite a few notifications since then. I don't know how far the notifications go down, but some guy like sent us the screenshot and was like, it's still there. It's Google podcast. Now you're totally fine. Like oh. as, as the listeners tend to do when we freak out about technology, um, because we are washed it did and most of them are not, or at least if they are, they have specialized skill sets that can help us understand how this thing travels around the world. Okay. Okay. Well, listen on whatever, um, you know, Omniverse that Google is presenting content in, uh, and like, rate, subscribe, all of that makes a difference. Um, and yeah, we just appreciate your time and attention. Mr. Nate LeBlanc, I'm going to let you have the last word. I'm going to, in tribute to my brother, David Ma, I'm going to say fuck Donald Trump. And uh, to copy Shea Serrano's uh, construction of it and anyone who stands with him. And that early voting has started. Make a plan vote i'm not going to just say go vote vote biden harris vote down ticket democrat and as progressive as you are comfortable with and like we have to change this country um it's not a political show but we feel very strongly about this and spend most of our off time talking about this also and this is a huge left turn i just have to say on the Instagram live last week, I said Miami was going to come back in game five oh, and win yes. a close game with yes. Jimmy Butler taking over and then get blown out in game six. And did anyone notice what happened? That exact exactly, thing. You called it, bro. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was mad I didn't bet on it. Uh, Nate, <laughs> Nate called it. Congratulations to the uh, Los Angeles Lakers for their intramural rec league uh, NBA championship. That they just won, <laughs> and now uh, the season is going to start like tomorrow for the exactly. next season. I don't know what is happening with that, but um, I'm ready for yeah, it. Yeah, it, it it feels a little anticlimactic for the season to be over. I'm I'm bummed I don't have one of my shows to watch, which that show being the NBA Finals anymore. But you know what are you going to do? It kind of seemed inevitable uh, once Goran Dragic got hurt, but wait, it's fine. It's fine. We have a lot NBA of friends who are Laker fans, and I guess I'm sort of happy for them. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go no on that, but because uh, <laughs> I'm petty. Uh, but we will be back, NBA or no, 
next week. Every right Thursday, here. occasional Mondays, and Friday night on Instagram Live. Fuck, we do a lot, man. Uh, rock with us, please. This is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Oh, yeah.